Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning, you are with Lyle and... Renee, good morning. How are you this morning, Renee? I'm very good, Lyle, You're thank you. You're very good. That's good to hear. <laughs> what is making you very good this morning? Well, I just feel really refreshed. I had a really nice sleep and um, just to be up again, you know. <laughs> do you like sleeping with the rain? I do. It's, it's like, the best, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. And what are you what are you particularly thankful for this morning? Uh, well, last week I did mention how I had a little car problem. Yes. And so, yeah, that's still being sorted out. But despite that, I'm very grateful for my sister who um, dro- drove me here this morning in her manual car, which I am learning to drive. Ah, see, this is a necessary <laughs> life skill. Yes. Yes, it and, is. And uh, it's, I'm, I am so glad to hear that you are learning this necessary life skill. <laughs> it will transform your life. You're have uh, it will broaden your horizons and you will never look back once you have mastered it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. <laughs> that's 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 wonderful. Well, okay, that's that's cool. So praise God for your sister this morning. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Good to, good to have a good sister. Yes, yeah. Yes. Mm. All right. So what am I thankful for this morning? Okay, so I have a bit of a get together today with a bunch of other ministers, which is going to be very very cool. Oh, later so today. Forward, yeah, later today we're going okay. to uh, be spending some time in prayer together and. Uh, Talking about evangelistic plans and how we can spread the gospel and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, hey. uh, and then we're going to have a meal together. Food Ooh, is always good. So, yes. yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's all happening. And of course, this evening is the end. That's right. It's the end of this evening. It's all over. No, it's not. The end <laughs> begins this evening. The beginning of the end. Uh, first night at 7.30 this evening, uh, we premiere with America and the End, uh, which is going to be just super exciting. So super happy and excited to see that all take place. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Tell us some positive news stories. Okay. so Right so now morning. I sure will. I Thank you, Lyle. I'll take it away. So there's a story about the, a mulberry tree which is credited for saving a home in New South Wales' south coast from summer bushfires. Okay, so we had some pretty horrific bushfires that just ripped through that uh, region. Well, ripped through most of the east coast of Australia. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of homes were lost. My understanding from this story is that this was a house that was kind of in the middle of the bush, like completely surrounded by bush. These people were into living in the bush. Yes, yeah. As a lot of Australians are, as I would love to live. Yeah. Who wouldn't love to live? It's nice. It's isolated. It's peaceful. Peaceful. Birds. Nice to be out in nature. Critters. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all there. They were they were surrounded by dense bushfire. Uh, Bushfire. Sorry, dense bush. Well, both. As it turned out, actually, yeah, yeah. So that works out. That slip up works out. So basically, um, yeah. For, uh, if you know um, Brett Hawkins, um, he has a remote property up in Upper Brogo, north of Bega. After and so after the 2019 New Year's Eve, Eve bushfires, um, he didn't expect to come back and still find his house fully intact, un, untouched by the fire. But beside his house was the massive green mulberry tree that was next to his house um so basically him and his partner when the bushfires were basically at his doorstep um but before that luckily they evacuated yes. to a nearby town um and they stayed the night where uh, like a hundred hundreds of other people had evacuees um 
stayed before they returned and they returned to their place three days later and he just remembers coming back and he mentions in his in this article that it was apocalyptic you know coming back there was just there was no tree there was not a tree left and there was ash on the ground and smoldering embers everywhere but among those black black those blackened trees he found his mud brick house and the mulberry tree in full leaf and you look at the photos of this i mean the bush Around his house, it comes right up to his house. Yes, yeah. You know, he's completely surrounded by it. Yeah. And here the mulberry trees looks like bright green. It's bright green. <laughs> yeah, the photo. And it the house really is, is still there. It really, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you're wondering, oh, I wonder how this happened, you know. And so he shares, like, months leading up to the bushfires, um, almost almost 100% of the state was experiencing some level of drought. Yes. Okay? But for Brett, water rationing became a priority. So he... Him and his partner, they stopped watering the garden um, and they left. The, they let the animals come in. Um, but he said that he sacrificed a reasonable amount of water for the mulberry tree. Okay. Um, so he didn't, didn't worry about the – let the garden go but yes. kept, kept his mulberry tree alive. But the tree? It's a significant tree. Yeah. It's a really nice one. Yeah. And yeah. it ended up saving his property and saving his life, you know, yeah. Uh, in the in the in the end, um, which was a decision that would prove critical, you know, that um, for his for survival of his property, um, when the bushfire came through, uh, he he suspects that when the fire hit that tree, um, it the the tree was able to resist it. It kind of acted like a shield in some way. Um, yes, and that came also because the direction of the fire, it was the the tree was able to save the house, shield the house, shield the house, and, and, and push the heat upwards away from the house. What's interesting about some of the research in this is that with you know your eucalyptus trees because they're full of oil and so forth, they burn really really well. But something like a mulberry tree, if you've got a very healthy one that is full of water. Mm. So a tree that's full of water, and this tree was full of water because he kept watering it, and uh, and and as a result, it didn't burn. Yeah, uh, and shielded the house. Yeah, that's it. I actually on that. Um, there's a tree. Did you know there's tree experts? <laughs> there is a tree expert that had had a say on this, and he said his name is um what is his name? Chris Brack. He's from Fenner School of Environment at Australia National University, and he said while well watered trees can help during a fire, the bigger problem is when trees hold on to their dead leaves, and particularly oily leaves and unfortunately in Australia uh, a lot of eucalyptus leaves have a waxy coating on their leaves so that stops the tree from losing much water but when that dries out it's quite flammable <laughs> yes and we see that when they when we have Australian bushfires yeah those eucalyptus trees really they, know how to burn they do yeah Australia really burns well unfortunately mm-hmm. when when it when it's in drought especially so plant mulberry trees all around your house keep them well watered and you'll be in good shape exactly problem solved right there <laughs> well you know while we don't know you know there's um th- there's oh, i forgot what i was going to say um while we don't know, you know, what kind of specific tree will stop bushfires from happening, you know, it'd be f- nice to stop bushfires from happening in Australia. It is what you said is true. Keep a well-watered tree um, and that might be able to save your property in some way. Um, Brett, definitely, when he came back to his property, he found that, you know, this is a devastating situation. A lot of people lost their houses um, and lost their, lost, you know, you know, people who have farms, livestock and that. But to, ha- to come back and still have his house intact, it gave him hope and a purpose to stay and to rejuvenate the place and to, you know, 
to create bring it back and to keep going. A lot of yeah. people left the area. Yes. Simply because everything was just completely burned out. Yeah. Uh, they were pretty devastating times. That's true. That was this time last year. Yeah. It's all happening this time last year. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Not too long ago. Not it feels like an ago. eternity ago because so much has happened since then. Yeah, yeah. A pandemic. A let's just election. delete. Let's just delete twenty. Let's just delete the twelve Whoever months. The last twelve months. Just, just, just. Yeah. Let's restart. By the way, we have an answer for the quiz. It's a correct answer. Yes. Um, for bragging rights only. So we've got our first correct bragging rights answer. So uh, one down. Oh, perfect. Let's see how many other people can uh, get a correct answer? See who can win the prize this morning. Yes. Yes. So please do text or call in if you know the answer. Yes. All right. Uh, what else is happening? Well, this one kind of goes along with the, on the subject of trees real quick. There's a, there's a charity called Trees for Cities. And so this is a based in UK and it's urging teachers and parents to help children embrace outdoor learning or are at home or at school. So it's trying to get kids out there, out in nature to, uh, and giving curriculums and activities to help kids get in touch with nature and learn in a post COVID world. So their aim is to improve lives by planting trees in cities while providing free online educational resources and curriculum guides for teachers and parents to help students do outdoor learning in a more post COVID world. I love this. <laughs> outdoor learning. Absolutely. I think mm. this this is exactly where children should be learning whenever they possibly can yeah. is uh, getting outside into nature. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. So we've mentioned this before, pedophile movie that uh, Netflix is currently streaming. Uh, good idea to cancel your Netflix subscription. Would encourage you to do so. There are lots of other uh, providers out there that don't uh, provide the really, really terrible kinds of things that Netflix uh, streams at times. And, of course, this one uh, managed to get into Australia on an MA15+. Plus. Why, you know, why our, our review board, our movie review board, could be so tone deaf mm. to the situation that we have in Australia? And we've just had, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the final findings of the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Sex Abuse, which has really highlighted a major problem that we have in this country, and yet they will let a movie like this come into the, into the country, is just beyond me. Uh, but Janet Matthews, who's a registered psychologist, made, just made this statement in uh, an opinion provided to the review board. She stated, It is a film purporting to be an expose of the sexualization of young girls while in fact sexually exploiting young girls to achieve this purported end. Of course, in the movie, the actresses are between 12 and 14. Wow. That's their age. Meanwhile, it provides salacious fodder for pedophiles. In my professional view, it is a production that masquerades as an, as an expose, but in fact, it exploits its young and vulnerable cast to their developmental detriment. Mm. It normalises and desensitises society to the sexualization of pubescent girls. In my opinion, it is an exercise in cynicism which blatantly ignores the harm it will cause to society for purely commercial purposes. There are alternatives to Netflix. Explore those. Cancel these guys. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, what was it, last year, this time last year, thereabouts, they had the uh, the series on the gay Jesus and a lot of Christians just pulled their subscription and they were forced to pull that series down. Oh, good. So if Christians act, things can happen successfully. Yeah. All right, and we need to act as Christians. We need to not just, uh, you know, stand by and let these things happen. Okay, they found water on the moon. That's kind of cool, eh? Water on the moon? Water on the moon and... Not just water on the moon. They found water in the sunny part of the moon, which they never believed was possible. That's amazing. Yeah, so this is super cool. That's so uh, cool. And it's going to raise a whole bunch of interesting questions. I love it when science says this is impossible. And then, and then they find that, well, actually, we thought it was impossible. I'm super keen to hear what the implications are to water in the sunny part of the moon for the evolution theory. Because I'll guarantee that this is going to uh, bust open a hole, you know, because there's like, oh, there can't be water on the moon because, you know, sun shining on the moon, not enough atmosphere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for the last however many billion years that the moon has been there. Well, according <laughs> to evolution, the moon should not exist to begin with, and now yes. there's water on it. So, yeah, interesting to hear what the uh, scientists come up with there. Always, always love it when, yeah, science... Sort of. I like when science has an attitude of like, you know, we haven't found anything and we don't know. <laughs> I like when they when they just well, yeah, when they're like, yeah, we're not sure. <laughs> All right. So here's another here's another interesting question, a question and an area of current research, and that is what happens without Christianity in our world. What does our world look like Ooh. without Christianity? And so this is secular researchers. They're doing this research and they're only looking at one aspect of how our world would be actually affected okay. if Christianity disappeared. And one of the reason, reasons that they're doing this research is because organized Christianity is rapidly declining. Mm-hmm. People are not walking away from faith. They're walking away from organizations. And you meet so many people like, yeah, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to go to church to live a moral life. I don't need to go to church to do the right thing. Church is just all about controlling people, etc., etc., etc. Well, you know what? Um, those kind of things may happen in churches from time to time, but mm. that's not what the majority of church is all about. Church is amazing. Yeah, It's the best place for just having social connectedness and community imaginable. But what happens? Okay, so they've been looking at... Um, the area of charity. So if you do away with Christianity, how much of the charitable organizations still exist? I would think a, not many because I think a lot of the charities are founded in, in many Christian organizations. Absolutely. If you look at the top five in Australia, they're all uh, either faith-based or faith-founded. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. It's uh, and Christian, I should say. Yes. Oh, Which hey. is interesting. So not just faith-based, but Christian-based. Christian. Yeah. Um, so the top one in Australia is World Vision. Uh, a few years back they raised $270 million a year. The Salvos come in second at $100 million a year, um, etc. Yeah. yeah. And so if you take that out of the world, you know, because charities and charitable work is actually a Christian invention. Yes. If you study the history of it, it was invented by Christianity. It's been copied by secular organizations and other faith-based organizations. But this is an invention of Christianity. So what happens when it disappears? Uh, by the way, New South Wales, 
our state, go New South Wales. This is where we're broadcasting from, in case you're wondering. Uh, we're the most generous per capita oh. in Australia, uh, followed by the ACT and Victoria. So come on, everybody else. Come on. You've got a, you've got a goal here. Catch up, catch up. Um, but so, okay, so here's the other interesting Not only are most charities, or the vast majority of charities, faith based or faith founded, but they are faith supported. So the majority of people who give. Are Christians. Are Christians. I see. And the reason that this works is because you actually have an organization in which that can happen. So like 90-some percent of all money that is collected for charities is collected as a result of face-to-face contact. And in a church context, that's something that happens every week where collections can be taken up on a regular basis. Yeah. Yep. And without that faith, face-to-face contact, then what you're relying on is somebody feeling bad, jumping online and making a donation online, somewhere along the line, and that just doesn't really happen. Mm. So another example uh, in the United States, if you look at the Southern Baptists, they have a team of more than 80,000 trained relief workers who are all volunteers. That's big. Wow. They are one of uh, 74 members of uh, ENVODE, which is the National Voluntary Organization's Active in Disaster. Mm -hmm. Now, nearly all of the members of that particular umbrella organization are Mm faith-based. And Southern Baptist is probably one of the bigger ones at uh, 80,000 trained relief workers. Um, And so, yeah, basically they're a network of uh, disaster relief non-profits. In the last two years the Southern Baptists alone have responded to 136 disasters that have been hurricanes, tornadoes, fires and floods. Hmm. So that's significant. Yeah. You know, when you can marshal an army that big and during that time, just this one portion, this one one section, there's 74 organisations that are part of this, but just the one and if they've put pe- on, yeah. they've, 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 they've made half a million meals Wow. They have uh, built mm. 300 roofs. 300, uh, they, they have uh, cleared 2,300 properties from fallen trees. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they've, um, they've provided 13,000 showers and done 74,000 loads of laundry. <laughs> okay, so if you move, if you take that out of. The equation. What does our world look like now? There are countries in our world where you don't have that level of faith-based support, and that's pretty much what it looks like. Uh, what's interesting is in the nineteen. Well, I'm sort of running out of time. So, anyway, I think you all get the point. Yeah. Our world needs Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is Kyle Vincent for interview of the day. Kyle, welcome to the show. Uh, Kyle, okay, let's have that microphone on. Yep, Kylie, the, can you hear us now? I can hear you all. Fantastic, and we can hear you too. It's always a good <laughs> thing. Okay, so Kyle, starting very very special program starting this evening that probably may have you a little bit more nervous than others. Uh, what have we got happening this evening? So this evening we are kicking off uh, the second part series of The End uh, earlier this year. Uh, we ran a series called The End, which was hosted on theend.digital. And uh, tonight we start the second part to that series, which is 
called America and the End 2020 Unmasked. So it's a, a part two to that series. Okay, so people who were uh, avid watchers and fans of the N.Digital last time around would probably not be familiar with your name unless they're the kind of person who watches credits. So um, <laughs> tell us, Kyle, where do you fit into the equation? Well, I'm in my happy place when I'm behind the camera uh, and I don't really uh, even like the credit roll. I, I like to stay in the shadows and that's uh, because, yeah, it's my, my role is either cinematographer or editor. So that's usually where I fit into productions and uh, the same is the the case for the program starting this evening. Okay, so you've probably, I, I would say, I think it would be fair to say you have seen more of the end than any other person ever. How many How many <laughs> hours do you think you have spent um, watching the end? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, usually it wouldn't be uncommon to watch each episode several times before uh, they go live. So, yeah, uh, but there's a... There are ways to watch it in uh, fast speed. So I usually, Lyle, if I'm editing you, you're speaking extremely quickly. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so then, it, so that, do, so do you? Okay, so I do have to ask this question: Do you slow me down? <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's the perfect pacing as is. But uh, yeah, I mean, look for for some of these projects. I mean, uh, for instance, the one that's uh, starting tonight. Um, yeah, there's, there's obviously quite a bit of work involved, but um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's worth it in the end. Ah, yeah, nicely done. I saw what you did there. Definitely worth it in the end. Does it make you a little bit nervous with uh, all of your material going to air this evening? Uh, not really, because um, for, for your listeners who aren't aware, this evening uh, marks the beginning of a three-week program whereby... The first 30 minutes of the program, we have a presentation from uh, either yourself, Sharissa or Justin and, uh, and they're great presentations that have, have been recorded. And then we go live with a Q&A session whereby people can, through either Facebook, YouTube or uh, a mobile phone number that will be made available, people can submit their questions, comments um, and interact with, with uh, yourselves on that uh topic that's just been presented sure now for you know sharissa justin myself as the presenters we often feel you know really really invested in a program like this and particularly you know we we get that sense of that deep sense of satisfaction that comes through when we see people who give their lives to jesus christ as a result of it people who grow in their christian experience do you get that same sense of satisfaction yourself even though the people who are responding have probably never heard of you. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I think it's it's the main reason why I have enjoyed working in this space for, for some time, and that is because um, I believe that there's a, a role to play with media that um, is uniquely positioned to reach a lot of people. And um, and when you hear the stories come through, you don't always hear them, but uh, when you do, it's, it's very special to hear them. Um, you know, and uh, yeah. sometimes it can be a little impersonal looking at a computer or standing behind a camera, but when you hear that, um, it's actually content that is impactful for people and ultimately leading for them to decide to follow Christ, then that, that certainly makes it all worthwhile. 
Absolutely. Uh, getting back to the nuts and bolts of the editing process, the uh, the end dot digital this time around. I think we did what twenty eight minutes, twenty eight and a half minute long presentations, which yeah. of course you know you watch you watch that over while it's being recorded and do some you know mixing along the line and then obviously go back over it and clean it up and 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 definitely um, put in a lot of work to make uh, Sharissa Justin and myself look good, which we yeah. which we very much appreciate. Um, how long does it take to edit? a presentation of that length? Uh, well, look, I mean, for these sorts of presentations, it's not too bad, actually. It's probably about a day for each one. Um, you know, as soon as you go into sort of documentary format, uh, the the time goes through the roof. But for these sorts of programs, it's usually about a day a day each. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, for these presentations, which are largely historical in nature, it's just a matter of finding materials, uh, usually historical images, paintings, photos that are relevant to what's being presented. And I think for a lot of viewers that really makes a difference when they can see what is being spoken about and they it sort of confirms the veracity of what is being spoken. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you talk about doing documentaries. You've been involved in documentaries in the past, producing documentaries? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, so traditionally I've worked with and my brother Jared and we've worked on a number of documentaries before and um, yeah it's certainly something we've enjoyed I think um, probably the the project we most enjoyed working on was one called uh, Kingdom Come which was produced by uh, the North New South Wales Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and that was a project whereby we were able to communicate the message of Daniel chapter 2 the prophetic message of Daniel chapter 2 and that meant that we were able to communicate that in a way that people who maybe were unfamiliar with the Bible and its prophetic leanings were introduced to it in a in a way that you know we we tried to let historians who are not Christians uh, confirm the way the Bible speaks about history, and um, it was encouraging to see that indeed that they they do. So, in your role. Uh Videographer, cinematographer, um, whatever. When a documentary, when you're working on a documentary like that, how much are you involved in, you know, actually setting up things like, or, or do you get involved in, in in other parts of the project, like setting up the itinerary, organising um, the people that are going to be interviewed? Do you get involved in any of that kind of work, or do you just turn yeah. up and make them all look good? No, no, you, yeah. My experience has very much been quite hands-on in that nuts and bolts stage, and you know, I actually enjoy that. You know, um, as far as that sort of producing aspect of it and actually lining things up, it, it can be difficult when you're working internationally because you know you're dealing with different cultures, different languages, different time zones. But when it all comes together, and it you know invariably on any sort of international trip, there are all sorts of issues you have to work through. Um, but being able to sort of adapt and pivot to those circumstances is, is part of the, the fun of it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, I guess those international uh, documentary projects will be on hold for the time being. A lot of people have been asking with uh, Kingdom Come, which I should say is just an exceptional documentary, and if anybody out there who's listening today can get their hands on it, really, really do encourage you to uh, grab a copy of Kingdom Come, have a look. Um, and, and check that production out. But a lot of people have been asking, 
When does when does the next one in the series come out? Are there plans to do more with Kingdom Come? I mean, Daniel chapter two. There's more than two chapters in uh, more than more than just Daniel chapter two in the book of Daniel. There's some other amazing prophecies right there. Uh, is there is there a future or a possibility for more instalments in that in that space? Yeah, absolutely. There there is, and so uh, Justin Lawman, who was the executive producer, who had the idea initially for the series, he had always wanted to produce three films. The first one being on Daniel chapter 2, which tells of the rise and fall of nations and the ultimate second coming of Christ. Daniel chapter 7, which speaks of essentially the rise of the Antichrist and how that would play out. And then uh, the third film was going to be on Revelation chapter 13, which is, interestingly, the topic of the series that is beginning tonight, America and the End. So those three films, we've produced the first one. Currently, um, donors are being sought for the second and third of those three films. And um, our our hope is that um, the funds will be raised soon and we might be able to begin production as soon as uh, borders open up again. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Uh, now, just let me ask you, Kyle, how did you get involved in this kind of work in the first place? I mean, producing uh, Christian material, Christian documentaries, uh, Christian programs like the N.Digital that will be uh, premiering this evening. How does, how does a person get involved in that kind of work? Yeah, well, I mentioned before that a lot of the work I've done was with my brother, Jared, and we... Together when, you know, he was probably around 20, I was around 17, 18, leaving school, we we thought, how can we have some sort of impact for something bigger than ourselves? And we were under the conviction that media would be one way to do that. And so we we sort of set about upskilling ourselves in that area, volunteering on different projects, uh, getting more and more experience before... You know, I guess different projects came along that allowed us to sharpen our skills and and, and sort of go from there. But I guess it really all started from the belief that media has a lot of potential. I'm not sure I've ever realised that potential, but, um, you know, if there's a small role that that I can play, then that's good on my account. Do you have formal training in this area or is this something that grew from a hobby into something that's now become a career? Yeah, absolutely. No, no formal training whatsoever. All, all sort of hands-on. Yeah, I think it would be fair to say it grew from a hobby, and um, you know that seems to be more and more common. I think that you know some people do go to film school, and and that's that's the way they choose to go about it. Others, uh, it's more of a hands-on thing. And I think more and more with with uh, film equipment becoming sort of more and more accessible and affordable, uh, I think it's something that should be encouraged. A lot of younger people who, you know, go from uh, YouTube bloggers, you know, you learn a lot of those skills that you can then transfer into larger projects. Yeah, absolutely. Jared, I mean, sorry, Kyle, Jared's your brother. (laughs) Get the right brother here. (laughs) Kyle, you're obviously, you know, you talk about your passion for sharing the gospel through media. Um, Mm. How was it that you came to, this is just more of a personal question, how did you come to know Jesus yourself and where 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 did your faith journey begin? Um, you know, where did this whole passion for for sharing Jesus come from? It's a good question. I think um, for me, it was initially brought out of you know a, a caring Christian family. 
that was also um, extended by a caring Christian home church. Uh, oh, sorry, church that that became a home. Uh, but really, it was born out of um, study of the Bible, the belief that that message is important and true, and then uh, yeah, I guess from there that led to you know work in media, but also. Um, probably nearly half a dozen trips or so doing evangelistic meetings over in Africa, um, different parts of Africa. And that really, when you see, uh, I guess it's different to me in that you do get to encounter the people that you're reaching, you get to talk to them and you get to see firsthand the experiences. That really put a, a desire in, in myself to sort of look to have as large an impact as possible. And, you know, I mean, we see that. We, it, the series beginning tonight, you know, what I've been told is, is almost a thousand people have registered for uh, America and the end, 7.30 tonight. You know, that's, that's always encouraging to know that, you know, you, know, you are able to reach people. You, you will likely never really meet many of those people, but uh, to, to use the skills you have to, to yeah, have the maximum impact, that's, that's kind of exciting for me. Absolutely, and we know that you know even with a thousand people registered for the program tonight, that uh, the impact is going to be vastly bigger than that. Because once you've produced material like this, Kyle, it just continues to keep on giving. It goes out yeah. there into uh, cyberspace, and it just doesn't stop. And we we continually get responses from the first instalment of the end, and so you know people have been eagerly anticipating this next instalment. So we're back by popular demand, and people will be able to jump on there this evening to see your work. And uh, to listen to the Word of God, Justin opens up for us this evening, Justin Tarosian. And uh, so that's going to be amazing. Kyle, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, we really appreciate getting your perspectives on it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.